Welcome to Building the Bridge, connecting parents and educators around online learning. I'm your host, Dr. Wendy Oliver, Chief Learning Officer for Edison Learning. Each week, this podcast will present targeted, practical strategies for both teachers and parents to ensure we are all on the same page in successfully navigating the digital education world together. Thanks for joining me on this journey, and now, please enjoy today's episode. Last week, we talked about the importance of promoting social-emotional health. Today, we're joined by two staff members from Edison Learning, who will share with us how they support our students and how it is intertwined with social-emotional health. For those of you that don't know, Edison Learning has been providing remote learning for 25 years. One of the first things that occurs when a student signs up for an online course is that the student is assigned an advisor. The relationship between the advisor and the student and the advisor and the online teacher is invaluable, and it forms a path to successful learning. Online learning is not simply a matter of being giving assignments and attending classes with a camera on. There's so much more to it. When teachers emulate this model and build relationships with students individually by checking in and talking about their students and with their students, students feel engaged and take ownership of their academic success. I would like to introduce you to Alicia Zach. She is an advisor for Edison Learning and has been with us for almost seven years. Also with us today is Jody Rogers Carter, who has taught sixth and seventh grade math for almost two years with Edison Learning. Thank you for joining us today. I'd like to start by asking what elements of Edison Learning make it so successful and conducive to learning for our students? I think Edison, what sets us apart from other providers that you may be using for online curriculum is our relationship building with students. The advisor role is very unique for us versus other providers because we're able to really build that relationship with students from the very beginning. So not only are we providing customer support and making sure students have everything they need to be successful, but we're also building that relationship and making them feel more connected to their community as a whole and their community within the virtual platform and really um, just making them feel like at least someone is there for you if you ever need anything. Jody, are there ways that the teacher communicates with the advisor to support students? Oh, absolutely. Because I think with our enrollment numbers are so high that a certain teacher can have more than 800 students. Right now, I have close to 800 students because of COVID, and it's really hard to keep track of a student's progress, especially that many students. It's really important that the teacher and the advisor have an open communication to best help that student. So like an advisor really keeps track of the student's progress, and the advisor really communicates that with the teacher, and then a teacher can give the advisor feedback on how to best help that specific student. Alicia, you mentioned relationship building. What are ways that you promote and create relationships with students that help with the social emotional health of our students that we hear so much in the media today about? I think it's really being present for your students and making sure that they feel connected. You know, I reach out to my students weekly, whether that be via phone call or a message, an email. It's not unusual for students to not reply or not call me back. And I think sometimes it would be easy to feel frustrated or feel not connected. But I think it's important to understand that that student, 
even if they're not replying to you and not answering your phone call, that they still know that you are there. And it's amazing how you can build great relationships with some students who are really chatty and and really need that interaction and love to talk. But then there's also those students who they read your emails, they get it, they know you're there, and then they know that they can reach out to you whenever they need to. And so you could go weeks without hearing from someone, but then you get a message and they're like, thank you so much. I really needed to hear that I'm doing well, or, Hey, thank you so much. I really need to hear that. You can help me make a plan. What can we do to to get back on track? And so even if you feel like you're not making those connections online, that you really are because they know that you are present for them. Jody, I know Alicia in the advisor role is reaching out to students. Are you as well communicating and reaching out to students? I actually reach out to my students weekly because beginning of the year, a lot of students didn't know how the courses work, what to expect. So I really took the time to reach out to students to make sure that they knew how our system worked, how they can access their lessons, email their teachers, and really support them on the best way for them to be successful. But I actually communicate with them weekly, and I actually have been having live sessions with my students because as I'm grading, I can see where the students are having trouble. And so I set up my live sessions based on their needs. So I actually use the forum that we have with our program to really communicate with my students, and they can communicate with each other as well. Jody, you said a lot, and I want to unpack some of that. Let's go back to where you said that you have live lessons. For our listeners who aren't as familiar with online learning, what is a live lesson compared to what students might normally experience in an online class? With Edison, it's more asynchronous. So the kids are at different places within their courses that they're taking. So with live sessions, it's a face-to-face where I actually teach a lesson with my students who might have difficulties with that specific lesson that they come across in their course. So what's different with Edison versus a traditional school, they have live sessions every day versus our program, I do live sessions when the students need it. Alicia, some of the work that you're doing as an advisor to help with goal setting. Can you speak a little bit to how you implement the growth mindset? One thing that I wanted to talk about when it came to growth mindset is definitely setting expectations for students, especially in asynchronous program. You're given X amount of work that you have to do between now and the end of the nine weeks or quarter or semester. And that can be a little daunting for students. And so I think it's really important to break that down into smaller goals because there's nothing like checking something off a list that you wanted to get done and meeting that goal. And it just helps you feel more motivated to continue and to keep going. Can you describe any results that you've seen in students once you have worked with them on those personalized goals? Do you have any personal stories where you've seen success? For sure. I mean, I have a student that I've worked with for a couple of years now, and you know, he came from a background, a, a bit of a broken home. He lived with his grandparents and his parents weren't always present in his life. And I think that that was really hard for him. He started online school for various reasons, which usually students come to us for some sort of reason, right? Whether it be bullying, a medical condition, for whatever reason, they need to be in a program like this. And so he came to us and I think he was feeling pretty frustrated. And at first he wasn't really really staying on track. And this was a completely new thing for him. And his grandparents weren't tech savvy. And I think they were kind of at a loss as to how to help him. And so I was able to work with them to break it down and just see 
this is what you have to do. This is the big picture. And then what can we do this month, this week, today, in the next hour, and help them understand that every little step adds up to the greater goal. Basically what we did first of all, was take what he needed to do this nine weeks and make a plan of, okay, what is doable for you every day or every week? Let's make a list and check those things off. And when you get there, then, okay, you're done. You can take a break. You can motivate yourself with something else. You can have lunch. You can have a snack. You can watch a little bit of TV. And that's the nice thing about online learning is you're not stuck in a classroom where you're tied to a desk, it really allows students that flexibility to be able to do what they need to do, feel great about it, and then go and do other things that make them feel good too. And so it's really that balance of everything in your life. And if you can feel good about all of those things, then that's huge. It helps your mental health. It helps just how you interact with your peers and with your family and being successful just feels good. And I think that's really important. It's interesting with the story you shared about that young man. When I ran the state of Tennessee's online learning program, I would encounter students who were trying to recover a credit or who were quote unquote at risk. What I often found was that they missed somewhere in their education what I would consider study skills, much like what you just described. They did not truly understand time management or how to look at a syllabus and break it down into here's what I need to do this week or here's what I need to do tomorrow. When I was in that position, one of the things that I always did was start every meeting with a student story because that's why we do what we do and that's where my heart is. You're listening to Building the Bridge presented by Edison Learning. Stay tuned for more online learning tips and strategies. So Alicia, I asked you to share a student story. Jody, is there any student story of particular passion that you would want to share with our listeners about why you do what you do, why you get up every morning and do this? Actually, I had one last year. This kid was uprooted from his school district because his younger brother had a brain aneurysm. Good news is they're all back home. Brother did real well and recovered. They were in Children's Hospital in Hershey for about nine weeks. They live here in the Pittsburgh area while his brother was over on the eastern side of the state. And so it was really hard. Mom was there. Dad was working. This student was uprooted and he had to go live at the hospital with mom. His school district really didn't have virtual schooling that he could do. And so his school district bought our program. So he came in using our program the third nine weeks. He was uprooted from his school district. So there was a lot of learning gaps. What I did, and I tutored him two to three times a week to how to improve his algebra skills. We worked really, really, really hard at the end goal. He ended up finishing, understanding the course. Seeing the student achieve success does wonders for me because I put myself on a personal level with my students. I relate to them. And this is really one of the reasons why I became a teacher. I had a lot of learning disabilities. In elementary school, I had to be tutored in reading, writing, and math. I was being tutored two to three times a week during the school year, during the summer. When I was in elementary school, I had a lot of learning struggles. I just love when a student achieves success. Are there any other things that you would want to say around the social and emotional health? 
Jody touched a little bit on empathy, and I think that that's so important within education that people don't always think about. You know, you think about empathy and, oh, that's, you know, what the counselor does. But empathy is so important for everyone working with students because it really helps you understand their perspective and helps you tailor what you do to help them and be successful. Empathy is such a huge part of social emotional learning that I think people don't always talk about, but it, it's, it's important. So Alicia, why did you choose empathy instead of sympathy around social emotional learning? The difference between empathy and sympathy is empathy is the idea that you're putting yourself in their shoes. And so you're really trying to see things from their perspective, whereas sympathy is more feeling bad or feeling sorry. And I think that that can have a a negative connotation, whereas empathy is much more of a positive thing. You're just meeting them on their level and helping to understand where they're coming from. And then being able to tailor what you do as a counselor, as an advisor, as a teacher to help that student specifically in whatever they need. I would assume from what you said, my deduction would be that if you had sympathy, then you might enable behavior. Whereas with empathy, then you can empower the child and provide solutions. Empathy really ties back to that growth mindset idea where you can start where you're at and move forward and get better and more successful. Whereas sympathy really ties more into a fixed um, mindset. The idea that you're stuck where you are and that there's nowhere to go from there. And so, you know, empathy is an important key when you're talking about growth mindset and working with students and helping them be successful and and move forward and, and get better at whatever it is that they're working towards. Well, I'm very proud to have both of you on our front lines working with students. It's very clear that you're passionate about what you do. Thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure gathering insights from you to share with our listeners. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Building the Bridge. I hope today's insights and strategies will prove valuable as you support great online learning this week. Be sure to visit edisonlearning.com for many more resources to support high quality 21st century learning, including a comprehensive suite of more than 150 online courses for grades six through 12 and much, much more. Join me again next week for more tips to connect parents and educators around best practices for online learning.